0: Kat, you have kids, yeah? Two. Are they at this stage where they like all those superhero movies or read all the comic books? They're actually more into like Harry Potter and Minecraft, but Guardians of the Galaxy seems to be a new obsession. Oh, that's a good one. It seems like every kid at some point goes through a superhero phase where all they do is put on superhero costumes or read the comic books or nowadays watch the cartoons and movies. For some people, that phase lasts decades. Which is why those Marvel movies are so popular and make so much money. Yeah, you know, I know one person who still wears his Avengers t-shirt and his Doctor Doom t-shirt, even though he's an adult.
1: I would never admit to being an adult.
0: <laughs> hey Cody, where did you come from?
1: I came from... another, another-
2: dimension.
1: Sacramento, after the traffic.
3: <laughs> Whoa, how did you do that with your voice? Do I get to use superpowers in this episode,
0: too?
1: Your powers will be revealed to you when you are ready to use them.
0: Cody Drabble is our super producer and a big time comic book nerd. But I'm not sure if we have the budget to pull off three main characters with unique powers. Well,
1: let's say I'm a medium time comic book nerd. I know just enough of the characters and the lore to get by. But there are definitely people out there with much deeper knowledge than me. But Amy told me that this challenge required a team up on a budget.
0: Because let's face it, I know very little about comic book superheroes.
3: Well, I don't know a lot, but aren't they all pretty much the same? Someone the hero loves dies. They somehow get a superpower, usually by freak accident, and then they go save cities from bad guys.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much how it works. And then in the sequel, they do more or less the same thing.
0: In
4: space!
0: Yeah. I had- watch a lot of Marvel movies and read a few comic books for this episode. Cody essentially had to school me. Sounds like a brutal job, Amy.
1: We had this whole training montage in the first draft of the script, but it got like cut for time and the focus group audience gave it low scores. So you just have to trust me that Amy went from zero to hero off screen and now she's like totally leveled up.
0: Well, with great power comes great responsibility. That sounds kind of familiar. Allow me. Spider-Man montage, activate! My Uncle Ben once said, with great power
1: comes great responsibility. You forgot about your friendly neighborhood web spinner, Spider-Man. Put an ad on the front page. Cash money for a picture of Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man!
3: Spider-Man. Got it. Got it. Okay, so Amy, did you come away with a favorite superhero?
0: Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, one of the Avengers. Although I also like the Black Widow. Oddly, the actress Scarlett Johansson played the Black Widow and not the Scarlet Witch. I think Marvel missed an opportunity there. Could be. Black Widow is my daughter's favorite too. Okay, so why do you like them? Well, the Scarlet Witch can alter reality. Nothing wrong with that, I say. Wish I had access to that power during the pandemic. The Black Widow is just an all around badass, right? Captain Marvel is a badass. She is the most powerful of like any superhero I've ever seen. Did you see that one? I did, but I wasn't that impressed. But I'm not gonna get into an argument about superpowers here. (laughs) You You know, that might've been the movie's fault. (laughs) I don't know. Besides, all superheroes are badasses. Iron Man said so. Plus, the Scarlet Witch and the Black Widow are both complicated characters. And as you know, I like to unfold complicated things. So Cody, I never asked you, do you have a favorite superhero?
1: Well, I've been a Spider-Man kid since day one and I've also dabbled in all the big ones Batman Superman all the Marvel characters a lot of the DC ones but really my origin story starts back in the fall of 1991 when the Infinity Gauntlet saga was still in print
0: dude Cody we really don't have time for flashbacks we're trying to make things less complicated remember
1: (sighs) yeah I know
0: Speaking of unfolding
3: complicated things, why are we talking about superheroes?
1: Oh my god, Cat, maybe that's your superpower. You have like the power to compel someone to get to the point?
3: That is my power. <laughs> I'm just saying, comic book superheroes don't seem like a typical topic for an unfold episode or for highlighting UC Davis's expertise. I mean, we are a very serious institution trying to solve the world's problems
0: you know, like Batman or maybe Captain America. Oh, I beg to differ, Kat. We need someone with expertise in this category, besides Cody.
1: That sound means we've crossed the threshold out of Act One and it's time to have our meeting with the mentor at the start of Act Two.
0: Yep. Fortunately, we have access to the head of UC Davis, Chancellor Gary May.
2: I started reading comics when I was a little boy. Started picking them up when I was three or four years old and basically taught myself the rudiments of reading by matching the what I saw in pictures to, to the words on the page in and, and the thought balloons and the, the word balloons, and have been you know reading and collecting ever since then. And now? Oh, I have probably 13 or 14,000 books. Uh, I read superhero books for the most part, Marvel and DC, Image for a while, not so much anymore. I tend to be drawn to the team books So, um, Avengers, and X-Men, and Justice League, and those sorts of people. Wow. I guess if you want to run a university, you have to appreciate good teamwork.
1: Also, 14,000 books? Wow. He has crossed the line from personal library to historical archive.
0: Chancellor May gets it.
3: Okay, I stand corrected. UC Davis really does have every kind of expert imaginable.
0: More importantly, Kat, Comic books and superhero movies offer more than just people in tights flying around all day saving the universe. There's science. Seriously? Heck yeah! Many of Marvel's most popular heroes and villains started out as engineers and scientists. Like Iron Man, right?
1: Oh dude, there's so many. Like Spider-Man was bitten by a radioactive spider in his laboratory where he was an intern. The first Ant-Man discovered these particles to shrink him. The Hulk got zapped with gamma rays. Iron Man got zapped with massive intergenerational wealth.
0: Hey, Cat, want to check out my superpower? Time compressor, activate.
1: And that's just the Marvel characters. The same goes for DC. There's a lot of characters. They all get their powers from like a horrible lab accident or some kind of scientific experiment that blows up in their face. And then the main split is the good characters learn how to use their powers responsibly and the bad characters turn that pain into personal gain.
3: Well, that's not how we do science at UC Davis. We have ethics protocols and safety equipment.
0: Wait. There's more than one Ant-Man.
1: There's always another hero ready to wear the mask when the prior one dies or retires or like gets zapped into. Another dimension.
3: That's the third time you've used that power and I'm calling it your last for this episode. <sighs>
1: okay, fine. Amy, quick, use your host transition powers.
0: There are also comic books that start with a scientific experiment that's executed perfectly, like the serum injected into Steve Rogers, turning him into our hero, Captain America.
4: The first
1: of a new breed of super soldiers. But then the other characters who get the super serum, like, turn into villains. It's very dangerous stuff. Speaking of which, I'm feeling kind of weird right now. Like, maybe my super producer powers are going... (sighs) Haywire. Finally,
0: he's out of my way. Oh! But Amy, that's not science. That's science fiction. Actually, it's fantasy, but I don't mean to be literal here. My point is, a lot of the super-powered heroes and villains are connected to scientists, and the things they create and materials they use can teach us about everything from physics to engineering. Chancellor May said so.
2: You you see something happen in a comic, and you wonder, can you really make that happen in real life?
0: So can we, Kat? Can we? I don't know. But sounds like a good topic for Unfold. Which is why we're calling this episode, The Science of Superheroes. Coming to you from UC Davis, this is Unfold, a podcast that breaks down complicated problems and unfolds curiosity-driven research. I'm Amy Quinton. And I'm Kat Kerlin.
3: So Amy, what science can we learn from superheroes that's
0: actually real? It's not like we can fly or anything. Well, page one, panel one of this comic begins in a lab. Of
3: course, a lab again. Where else would you start a story about
0: superheroes but in a lab? But we don't begin with a horrible lab accident. Instead, we began in the very safe and professionally run lab of Dr. Ricardo Castro, a material science and engineering professor. So not a mad scientist. Or a supervillain, yet. No, he's a comic book fan and loves superheroes.
4: I always had a, a background uh, on on superheroes. That was always my you know one of my my favorite topics. Since I was I was a little kid, not not that my my dad appreciated that you know he didn't see any value in in me reading comics and but but I, I would go behind him and and get some from my friends and even you know, use my allowance to buy buy some of those.
0: He says his dad wanted him to focus on more important things in life. Like studying engineering? Right, and all the math you need to learn in order to become an engineer. Still, he says something was missing.
4: Deep inside, my, my brain was almost like, craving some sort of like a more imaginative world. Because math, there's no imagination in math, right? And math is, it is what it is. When you look at an equation, you know, look at and the numbers, the numbers will tell you what, what they are. So there's not much room for improvisation, for creation.
0: But obviously, Ricardo became an engineer anyway. Kat, just because someone stumbles and loses their path doesn't mean they're lost forever. That sounds like a line from a Marvel movie, X-Men. But speaking of Marvel movies, in the next scene, Ricardo is sitting in a theater watching a Marvel movie when he came up with a master plan. And what was that? To bring stability to the universe by wiping out half of all life. He believes with too many people in the universe, all of its resources will be depleted. He's triggering a Malthusian trap? Avengers, assemble! Only the mad Titan Thanos would go for that. That's not what Ricardo, a mild-mannered professor, wanted to do. Nope, he did notice something in that theater that might help him save the world, or at least save young engineering students from boredom.
4: And then I look at everybody sitting around like in the movie theaters and looking at that screen, like hundreds of people just with undivided attention to that screen. And that's when it clicked and they, hey, I think I'm into something here. All those things that I learned from comic books might be put to use now. If I start combining, using some of those elements to actually attract the attention.
3: So he started using elements from comic books to get students
0: interested in engineering. Yes. And unlike Dr. Strange, Dr. Ricardo Castro didn't cast a spell, but did conjure a curriculum, the ultimate UC Davis first-year engineering class called Materials Marvels, the Science of Superheroes.
3: Get it? Well, holy hardest metal in the world, Batgirl. Ricardo is combining the two worlds of material science and superheroes.
0: That is correct, Catwoman. Ricardo's goal is to make students think outside the box when it comes to material science.
4: Here is an opportunity to make our engineers more creative than the others. (laughs) Here is an opportunity where I can poke them and say, hey, superheroes and engineering Uh, can be connected, and you can actually explore this world to, to really be a more innovative engineer.
3: Okay, let's get
0: down to it. What can you learn about material science from Marvel Comics? We'll peel back the cover and we open onto a splash page with the red, white, and blue shield of Captain America.
4: Let's hear it for Captain America!
0: Steve Rogers was a brave but scrawny guy that was injected with serum to make him a super soldier during World War II. The iconic shield was created by the character Howard Stark, a wartime scientist for the Allies and future father of Tony Stark, you know, the Iron Man.
4: Trying to uh, simulate the Captain American shield is is an amazing, it's amazing adventure by itself. The Captain American shield really can deflect heat and then basically, you know, if he has his hands on one side, he can put fire on the other side and basically he, he's not going to burn his hands. It's just like really shields the heat.
3: Well, that's good. Captain America can't be
0: set on fire. What does this have to do with the real world? Heat shields are incredibly important. One real world example Ricardo pointed to was this.
2: One
3: ignition.
0: What is that? Like a rocket launch? Yeah, the space
3: shuttle. Okay, definitely want to shield the heat from rocket fuel.
4: You actually have to think very clearly very clearly and to have solutions about how can i shield the heat either the heat coming from the explosions are actually taking your your rocket up or if you want to bring something down back to earth you have the all the the friction of your aircraft with the air creates a lot of heat and the re re-entrance heat heating can go to temperature up to like, 2000 degrees c and how can we avoid that heat from coming inside a chamber and actually, you know, exploding the chamber?
0: We all know what happened with the space shuttle Columbia when a piece of foam pierced a hole in the wing and caused disastrous consequences during the fiery reentry. Yeah, that was really sad. How does it link to superheroes? Well, you might ask, how does Captain America's shield deflect heat? I asked Chancellor May, our comic book expert, who is also an electrical engineer. And without blinking, for one second of hesitation, he says to me,
2: "In the movies, the shield is vibranium, which is an alloy, a metal that was comes from an asteroid that landed in Wakanda. In, in the comics, the shield is a vibranium adamantium alloy. Uh, adamantium is another fictional material that's un- indestructible, but adamantium, as of now, does not exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, it exists with the X-Men,
3: and neither one exists
0: in real life. No vibranium or adamantium." Nope. Vibranium and adamantium only exist in the world of convenient plot devices. But in real life, engineers use porous silica. It's one of the types of ceramic insulation used as part of the space shuttle's thermal protection system. And what is porous silica? Quick sidebar on a bit of physics and a bit of materials engineering, it's a type of ceramic fiber. Ricardo says, think of it like a brick of air or a brick of bubbled sand, and those bubbles are like pockets of air.
4: Mostly what actually deflects the heat is air, because air is a very bad thermal conductor. So if you actually could use air, create barriers of air, you can actually stop the heating for heat from coming there.
0: So that's the physics part. Yeah, and the materials used?
4: It's very light. It's the size of an actual brick, but it feels like a styrofoam. But then you put fire on it, and then nothing happens. You, it doesn't catch on fire. And if you put your face on the other side, you basically can have a flame right through your face for hours.
3: Nobody wants to become
0: the human torch in real life, I suppose. Ricardo says, don't try this at home, but he and his students do try this in class.
4: So I have I have a shield, uh, one of those bricks, and basically I bring a torch and then we can, you know, I put my face. And we say okay, it's my face, it's not the student's face. <laughs> so I don't put it, anyone at risk, but basically I, I, I show them how it's engineering.
0: Kat, there's even a video of him doing this. Let me give you the play-by-play. First, you see this kid with a blowtorch, which sounds a little like this. And then you'll hear Ricardo. He will come. Wait for it. Nice. And the student walks toward Ricardo, who is holding the Captain America shield in front of his face.
4: Oh my gosh.
0: Soon you'll hear Ricardo break out in his best superhero enactment.
4: Blast it,
0: Spencer! You will not win! So no one was hurt, right? Proper PPE? For this video, yeah. So now we have to cut to a new comic book hero who happens to be Chancellor May's favorite, the Black Panther. Did you see that movie? You're familiar with Black Panther, right? Not yet. I'm actually waiting for the kiddos to get just a little bit older. Well, Chancellor May says Black Panther, like many superheroes, had a special superhero suit.
2: Uh, He absorbs impact, kinetic energy, and stores it, and then redirects it when he uh, strikes a blow or does something active.
3: Hold on. Are we still talking about comic books or real science? Like, does Ricardo have materials that can absorb energy and release it back all at once to what, like kill your enemies like a big laser beam
0: or something? Sort of, yeah. Ricardo says it's like piezoelectricity.
4: Piezoelectric, I know this is a crazy name. Piezoelectric sounds like a, a superhero by itself. So these materials have these fancy properties that basically if you apply a mechanical load to it, they will generate a voltage. And the other way around is also true. So if you apply a voltage, they will cause a mechanical disturbance. It's such an amazing property, transforming mechanical properties into electricity. For me, it's like a holy grail of, of for energy as well, because you're talking about harvesting energy as uh, to, to use to everyday life.
0: Ricardo says PCO electricity has been around a long time. It's even in quartz watches and cigarette lighters. But future applications are pretty wild. There are scientists that have designed piezoelectric fabrics that can turn kinetic energy into electricity. And the more weight you apply to the fabric, the more electricity you can generate. So it's like you could put books in a fabric bag and say, power your cell phone. All righty then. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is also science that you can learn from Iron Man and his suit. Like how to spend billions of dollars? Right, of course. And we have to finish with the best-known electrical engineer in the comic books, aka Tony Stark, Iron Man, who also happens to be one of the Chancellor's favorites.
2: What engineer didn't start off in engineering because he or she wanted to build an Iron Man suit?
0: In the comics, Tony Stark doesn't need a university of scientists and engineers to invent and build futuristic technology. He's a one-man factory in the future.
2: Being a self-made hero is is kind of cool, right? I always thought you know, I could do that too if I had a few billion dollars to kick around. I could design a suit and, and fly around in it. That's one of those things that motivated uh, the study of engineering, even though I'm not you know, I'm an electrical engineer, not an aerospace engineer, but still, it's a factor that led me in that direction.
0: Remind us what makes Tony Stark's suit so cool? Believe it or not, Kat, Ricardo has an entire class devoted to it, and how Iron Man can help us solve the energy problem. Really? You mean like stopping the planet's thirst for energy? Yeah. Funny, there are pages and pages on the internet that go into great detail about the Iron Man suit. In fact, I even read an article about it in Gizmodo. Yeah, that's not surprising to me. It starts with the arc reactor, which is a fusion type power source that powers his suit, originally made with palladium and a beta decay reaction that generates electricity, which of course is.
4: It's all fake. It's such a beautiful uh, fake physics. That is, uh it's really interesting to tell the students. I see they see they're really excited about learning how it works. So what is real?
0: Well, Ricardo says that ARC reactor could be the gold standard for batteries.
4: There is a battery called uh, atomic batteries, and these atomic batteries use a beta decay reaction with a nuclear reaction, which is exactly the same one that Iron Man created to power his suit. So there is this Uh, real world, uh, fictional world overlap that makes it more believable and really more interesting and and palatable.
0: Kat, he says it's really important to make engineering students think creatively. Well,
3: right. I imagine that's what leads to innovation. I mean, we couldn't land a rover on Mars without it or a million other technological advances, I'm actually kind of surprised there is so much science and engineering you can learn from comic books with just a little imagination and creativity. Well, Kat,
0: part of the journey is in the end. Are we ending this episode? Wait, uh, is that some line from a comic book? Iron Man, Tony Stark. <sighs> so cheesy. It's not enough to be against something, Kat. You have to be for something better. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop. And also, it's not about how much we lost. It's about how much we have left. Hang on. Where did Cody go? Is he coming back? We have nothing left. This is the journey's end.
3: When in doubt, end on a cliffhanger and figure it out next time. Until then, you can listen to more Unfold episodes at ucdavis.edu unfold. I'm Kat Curlin. And I'm Amy Quinton.
0: Thanks for listening. Excelsior! Excelsior! Unfold is a production of UC Davis. It's produced by Cody Drabble. Original music for Unfold comes from Damian Barrett and Curtis Jerome Haynes. If you like this podcast, check out UC Davis's other podcast, The Backdrop. It's a monthly interview program featuring conversations with UC Davis scholars and researchers working in the social sciences, humanities, arts, and culture. Hosted by public radio veteran Soterios Johnson, the conversations feature new work and expertise on a trending topic in the news. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Wait, there's more than one Ant-Man? There's
1: always another hero ready to wear the mask when the prior one dies or retires or gets zapped into another dimension. Oh, that was bad. Let me do it again. Zapped into another dimension. Nope,
3: that was a terrible take. I'm going to use my powers to override yours, but you won't remember.
0: You figured out your powers?
1: It's not unusual for a variety of powers to present, present themselves, themselves over, over, time over time, depending, depending on what plot, plot holes they to resolve.
0: Resolve. Sometimes the... <laughs>
1: Sometimes the creators don't really remember what happened in the last three happened, issues, so they have to kind of start over it, Sometimes they have to cut things out, sometimes they have to, to things. Sometimes, you know, and method, and sometimes the, the illustrator thing, has drawn a thing, but can't communicate but he didn't to the writer what actually it's happened, so they have to make a dialogue bubble cover up. Doesn't know what's happening on the page, but it doesn't matter because they have to hit their production deadline.
3: Much better. Let's take it from the top. One more time.